everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of the Hey Coach Podcast. This is your host, Eric Reyes, and this is the podcast that takes a look at business concepts taken from coaching and the athletic sidelines. As always, thanks for tuning in. To our newest listeners, welcome. Today is going to be a great episode for you to start with. Great interview. Before we get started, though, love for you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It moves me up in the ranks, and with that, it helps other people find the show, and it grows our audience organically. Also, if you haven't done so so far, please go to the website, heycoachreyes.com, that's R-E-Y-E-S, and at the website, you'll find some book recommendations, you will find a link to my merchandise and my brand, Fertile Minds. I'll also be posting a few more blogs on there. So take a look at it. Subscribe to that also. Um, Anything that comes up, I'll definitely be putting it onto the website. Today is a great episode. It is going to give you an inside, in-depth look at an athletic director's life. And you're going to get a lot of knowledge with my interview with Ed Cole, the athletic director for Fordham University. From New York City, Ed Cole always had the love of sports. He played baseball at Archbishop Malloy, then played at Stony Brook University, where he was first-team All-American East Conference. Here, he not only loved sports, but he found his love and calling to become an athletic director. He found his way to St. John's University, where he got his MBA and was able to work in the athletic department. He became the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and External Relations. But then, he veered out of athletics and became the Senior Sports Marketing and Business Development Manager at Vitamin Water and Powerade Brands. But he felt his calling again. And then he went back to St. John's University where he ended up as the Vice President of Athletics and Vice President of Institutional Advancement Development. After doing a small stint with the NFL, fueled up to play 60, he got an opportunity to go back into athletics, and now he is the Athletic Director and Senior Director of Development at Fordham University. Ed shows that when you have a passion for something, no matter how the road winds, the journey will lead you to your goal. So here's my conversation with Ed Cole. Ed, thank you for coming on the Hey Coach podcast. I know you're busy and uh, I appreciate your time. Nah, Eric, my pleasure. Good to be with you. Good to spend some time with you. You're the athletic director at Fordham okay. University, but you didn't go from sports straight to uh, to AD. You kind of went, went in and out of the corporate world. And not once, but like a couple of times. And I love that because it shows that you were open to a lot of things that were going on. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a non-traditional background for a director of athletics. You know, what you used to see kind of quite often was a former coach or, you know, or coaches who kind of um, got tired with their sport and kind of moved into administration um, and kind of college athletics and, and, you know, management at an institution. So a little different, but, but I will tell you though, Eric, out of college, you know, that's what I wanted to always be. That's been the, probably the one consistent dream or aspiration uh, from my teenage years and my college years was to be a director of athletics, play baseball at Stony Brook University out east, which I know you know a little bit about from your time yeah. there. Got really close with my athletic director there, a guy named Dick Laskowski, who still works out there as a professor out there. And um, he was a former baseball player at St. John's University in Queens. And uh, I became very active in my student athletic advisory council, uh, became the representative of our school, uh, became the representative for the America East Conference at that time, did a little internship at, in, in Indianapolis with the NCAA, and just kind of fell in love with college athletics. So, so the desire was always to be that. Um, became a grad assistant uh, at St. John's University um, and quickly became an assistant AD and associate AD, and then took a little bit of a pivot while at St. John's University, uh, met an alum of the university. I was probably all the above selling sponsorships, ticket sales, 
some doing some fundraising, all external. Um, met this met this alum named Mike Rapoli, who had started a company called Vitamin Water, and probably was trying to sell him courtside tickets at the time. And he was giving me a hard time and banter back and forth, and was challenging me and trying to motivate me or, or break my chops, one or one <laughs> the other. And um, you know, kind of finally, kind of said, "Hey, you know, what do you what do you do with your life? Where you want to be?" And I talked about being an athletic director, and he talked about his new company. Um, and I took the opportunity to be you know, kind of the head of sports marketing and, and, and entertainment for him and vitamin water. And it was in Whitestone, Queens. So it wasn't too, too much of an adjustment from Jamaica and middle village Queens to Whitestone Queens at the time. While I was, as I finished up my MBA at St. John's and got a really another MBA by working for him. Um, amazing opportunity, wearing many hats, learning what an entrepreneur is all about, learning kind of about culture environment. Uh, a lot of young people working a lot of crazy hours, um, everybody had equity and shares in the company. So everybody kind of felt that they were owners in the company. And Mike did a great job of creating a culture like that. Uh, I guess it was a 2006, they sold the company to Coca-Cola for $4 billion. Um, I, I stayed on probably three more years, three, three and a half more years at Coca-Cola as a part of that agreement, moved over to Powerade. I, as I like to say, got another wonderful degree, uh, working for one of the top five brands in the world at Coke. Uh, World Cup, uh, South Africa, London Olympics, yeah, wow. Disney, NBA, LeBron James, uh, a lot of fun properties. And again, a tremendous education. And then probably came around 2010, I had my first child and um, didn't want to move to Atlanta, the Coke headquarters there, uh, though I probably was traveling there quite often and still wanted to chase the dream of being an athletic director. So I had stayed close with um, the president at St. John's University. Uh, and the vice president at that time, I learned quickly that revenue generation was everything, whether that be fundraising, whether that be sales, whether that be um, sponsorships, et cetera. So um, I knew kind of you're able to pave your own way if you're able to re revenue generate. I still feel that way today in terms of being in this seat was really my my background of of, of business, but also revenue generation. And I, I went back to St. John's, obviously athletic development. Then I was vice president of the entire development uh, organization there. And then I became vice president of athletics there as well. So had a good, good breakdown quickly of, of an oversight of an institution, not only just college athletics, but really what a president, you know, worried about on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that be enrollment, whether that be facilities, whether that be obviously management of a larger or organization, which any college or university really is. Um, so had a wonderful opportunity there. The president at, at St. John's at that time, they you know, unfortunately left and retired and left the institution. And I kind of found myself again, like a little bit of a, of a limbo with change in leadership and change in direction and change in vision. Uh, spent a year and a half with the NFL, working wow. with um, Play 60 uh, and working in 70,000 schools, built to Play 60, which was fun and kind of a tie-in of both my worlds of athletics as well as uh, education. Continuing the business right. development standpoint of always trying to find partners and raise funds and especially for good causes. But I miss campus. I really did. And um a headhunter, one of the search firms had kind of brought uh, a Fordham opportunity my way. At the time, I probably thought I was tired and burnt out of going back to campus. I wasn't sure if that was the right move for me, uh, but I actually wanted to keep, it was one of those things where you want to keep the headhunter happy too, because I'll do the interview for you. Hopefully at some point they, they will find a job that I wanted. Yeah. And But I, I did interview, I actually interviewed for like four weeks. It was a long interview process. And as I really got to know Fordham University as a campus, as an institution, um, academically, as well as its alumni base, and uh, learned a lot about its Lincoln Center campus, which is obviously extraordinary. I didn't know much about that, even though I'm, I'm a New Yorker, you know, born and raised in Brooklyn, Queens. And uh, I kind of fell in love with the place. I'm like, I saw its potential, became really bullish on the opportunity. And again, happy to say I've been here now um, almost four years. I've been athletic director um, a little over two. And um, I love what the institution's about. I'm a, I'm a Catholic school kid um, in terms of my, my growing up. So I love its values. I love its core mission. And even though I'm not uh, a Fordham alum yet, I'm actually in the process of finishing up my doctorate and I'm a, oh, a nice. dissertation. I could really resonate and connect with a lot of their alums, first generation college graduates, um, you know, maybe humble upbringings. And they have that New York City grit and toughness and determination that, I love and is probably, you know, the best skill set that I have. That's awesome. That's awesome. And there's so much to unpack in, in that. One thing, 
forgot to actually even tell you prior to us getting on, my brother is an alum from Fordham University. I love it. And you, uh, you hear that often, Eric, when I'm wearing a hat or a t-shirt or just, you know, what, what do I do for a living? You're like, everybody has a degree of separation to some alum. And it's, it's pretty amazing. It is pretty exactly, amazing. Exactly. Exactly. And just a, a little side thing, you've mentioned bits and pieces, but many people don't know exactly what an AD does. Right. They actually just think it's dealing with the coaches and the athletes. Run through some of those jo- other jobs. Yeah, so so great, great point, and you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, obviously a lot of folks who maybe have a connection to a high school athletic director who, who obviously has a very demanding and very – strong job. There's a lot of differences there in terms of, of the two. So, so you know, naturally we have 22 varsity sports here at Fordham. We have 15 club teams. And then we also oversee uh, recreational sports and intramurals as well as our fitness center, right? Which is a big deal on many college campus, Eric, uh, all students and administration and staff are very much aware of the importance of health and wellness and, 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 and physical activity and taking care of their bodies and their minds for that matter. So we oversee all of that on top of just, you know, the varsity sports program, which is all in the athletics umbrella at Fordham. And, um, you know, a lot goes into that. So, yes, right. we have probably 128, 130 coaches, assistant coaches, staff members, sports medicine, strength and conditioning, academic advising, fundraising, um, support staff that goes along with the entire uh, organization. So it's compliance. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into the rules of the NCAA, as you probably know, uh, for better or for worse. Um, there's a matter of obviously they are students. So we work very closely with our student affairs group in terms of res life, in terms of academics, in terms of our deans, in terms of obviously on-campus living. Um, there's, of course, a lot of, of making sure that we we have 545 varsity athletes. There's probably another 800 uh, club record intramural student athletes. And how do we make sure that we are providing them all support from a means of we do a lot of service here at Fordham, obviously the mental health aspect in terms of social, political, financial stress, which is, uh, as we know, very, very challenging these days, the engagement of, of our city. And then I think the pieces that gives me makes me, add, you know, gives me the advantage uh, against the traditional AD is really the business management, Eric, right? So we right. manage a budget. Like anybody else manages the budget, we obviously have employee management like any other staff and organization employee management, but there's a lot that goes into fundraising, uh, revenue generation, whether that be media rights, whether that be licensing, whether that be sponsorships. And then, of course, his name, image and likeness, which is a whole nother um, uh, situation that we can talk more about. But how do we creatively identify financial opportunities? We can't keep asking the president for more money. You can't just keep, obviously, you know, expenses continue to grow. So I think the new the new modern AD is really charged with finding true partnerships and revenue opportunities to either offset current expenses or to incrementally grow. And of course, fundraising is a major part of that. And um, I think that's a major part of my, my, my day and my routine in terms of doing that. And um, I think also a big part of it, which we're working on right now, is a strategic planning process. So having a corporate background at Coke and NFL and MSG and the places I've been, is helpful to understand how to actually plan appropriately, whether it be for your organization, whether it be for the facilities, and of course, management of budget. And then honestly, Eric, and the vitamin water piece was, was a big start in this. It's really truly creating a culture and environment that people want to be happy in, want to want to work in, want to enjoy. We don't, you know, college athletics, I know it's glamorous and it seems very much uh, front page marketing, but for many of the sports, you know, there's not a lot of revenue generation. We're not paying, obviously, a lot of coaches a lot. This is a, a, a really a career and an industry of passion, doing what you love and in, working closely and developing young people and young student athletes. And, of course, wanting to grow from a volunteer assistant coach to a part-time assistant coach to a full-time assistant to a head coach and chasing your dreams like anybody else. And that's the beauty that motivates me and inspires me for this job. But, of course, has a lot of turnover and has a lot of pieces as people have taken on expenses family obligations, et cetera. But I think that's where the some of the those those new age problems are really part of the the business mind that's needed for for an AD today. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's so much. And like I said, I wanted the, our listeners to understand that there's so much more other than just the athletes and coaches aspect. And Eric, it's it's evolved even more in the last 18 to 20 months. So 
we've all gotten more of an education on on science and health and wellness and COVID and, and medical needs and uh, political and social unrest. We have more mental health support than ever for our student athletes. The, the, the actual individual leadership training of our student athletes has been that much more of a focus and that much more of a day to day importance and growth in our area. Excellent. Excellent. Now, question, you, you mentioned a culture. Um, how do you bring in your culture or bring in a piece of you in like a, a university like Fordham, which has, you know, so many years of a culture instilled? Do you join the culture? How do you bring a part of Ed in there? Yeah. So, so great, great question. And, you know, what, what Fordham's roots are is that Jesuit mission in terms of giving opportunity uh, and education to those in need. And I think that's that's a beautiful piece that is at, at the core always going to be our foundation and our DNA of who we are. But to your point, and I spoke a little bit earlier about, you know, the vitamin water situation in Coca-Cola and everybody being able to feel a piece of the ownership, everybody having shared ownership in the process, Eric, everybody feeling empowered to make decisions and empowered to share and make change to me is, is everything. Because if you have an individual working for you and they feel that they don't have any authority or they don't, they're not being looked at with respect of, of, of an opinion or a change or to handle a situation, then you know that they're, they're never going to be performing at their peak. So, so that's, that's the culture we really try to trying to build here in athletics and continue to foster in athletics is I don't pretend to know anything about squash. I don't pretend to know anything about water polo. I don't pretend to know everything about, about track and field. So we have coaches, we have staff that, that are obviously the, in charge of that and experts of that. So I lean on them. How do we make their lives better? How do we work together? And, and also the key has really been, and the effort, the other focus for my, my, at least my two years here is how do we continue to knock down walls, Eric, right? So, so not work in isolation, but how does athletics help the dean of the business school, the dean of the law school in terms of their everyday? Would that be enrollment? Would that be marketing? Would that be in fundraising? Would that, would that be in terms of, of helping with the host events or utilize our athletic events to, to entertain um, and, and do seminars, parents, et cetera? And, you know, same with fundraising, same with obviously our engagement to the community in terms of our service. Um, how do we continue to be the front porch for the entire institution and all of the priorities of the institution? So, and really remove that isolation piece because if athletics isn't helping a president's priorities, then what are we doing? So if we're not helping the enrollment strategy and plan, if we're not maintaining the academic profile of the institution, you know, I, I think sometimes athletes are, are stereotyped negatively. And I'm always quick to say, and, and very proud of our Fordham students, we have a higher GPA than the general population. We retain at a higher rate than the general population. We graduate at a higher rate than the general population. And then, as you can imagine, they're, they're highly recruitable and desirable students uh, in the workforce. So we have many student athletes that actually have a job locked up the fall of their senior year because I think the workforce identifies that they're basically full-time employees, full-time workers at you know three hours of practice, an hour of lifting, an hour of video, study hall, classes. So they, they are so prepared for the challenges of real real world how to deal with failure, teamwork, you know. Uh, so, so I love that about athletics. I think that's often forgotten, and that to me is a big takeaway um, from athletics in terms of that. That's often piece, but it's. I think it's a special. It's a special department, and 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 at the core values of it is it's the centric piece of what school spirit and school pride is. And I and I right. I always remind our student athletes that they represent that for the entire institution. No, definitely. You know, it's. It's funny you bring up so many great great points, and I'm like, I gotta ask him about this, gotta ask him about that. Sorry about but that. One of the one of the things that you you mentioned was kind of networking and how like you're talking with the alumni, and it seemed that throughout even your journey, networking helped you so much going through the ins and outs of corporate world and then education, and now you're doing it with the alumni. Is this something also that you try to instill in the coaches and the athletes? That are there now? Yeah, so it's a great, great point. And, and definitely networking has been a major part of my career and a major part of my efforts. And, and, and it still is in terms of our fundraising efforts, our, our marketing and, and communication strategy. And you referenced LinkedIn. And, and you know, for me, that's something that's, that's a tool that I've been utilizing going back to vitamin water days when, when LinkedIn first gets, got started. 
Um, they were wise to kind of target some of those startup companies. And I think LinkedIn is a, is a, is a really a valuable source. So I think alums are on there, obviously, for their businesses. They're even looking at, to find new business, connect with other alums to, to identify new business opportunities. Or the obvious, Eric, right, trying to find a job, right? Or they try to try. So, so I always find I'm, I'm really, you know, social media is a powerful tool in many platforms, but the LinkedIn one really is a more business centric. So we'll do updates, do profiles, do highlights, do interviews, whatever we share on the LinkedIn piece. And alums, I know, are paying attention to it because they're trying to find best in class examples of what's going on, what the trends are, or as I said earlier, contacts to network with and, and find additional business people. So the success there has been great. So when we do a post, I know the Fordham alums are paying attention to it, or they're sharing with me what they want to see, or they're sharing with me other alumni updates. So, you know, especially during COVID, where we couldn't even see each other face to face, that tool was so valuable to communicate and and trust and lean on to to ensure the message was getting out there and following and it's difficult to talk to everybody one-on-one. So how do we share that that way? And then we utilize that platform in that fashion. But I talk a lot about that with our, with our student athletes, with our coaches. It's huge for them in terms of recruiting student athletes, Eric, right? Building relationships with coaches, high school coaches, uh, different areas, you know, club teams, et cetera. And I think at the end of the day, whether it's your job, my job, my, my dream job, your dream job, people want to hire folks that they trust maybe have a relationship with that maybe some other folks they have relationships with can, can vouch for um, it's, it's, you know, it's a big commitment hiring somebody. And, and obviously it's a big challenge when you hire the wrong person and people can't afford to do that these days and creating a real partnership with an individual that not only is helping you and your career and your business, but how are you helping them? Cause the best relationships are the two way street, whether it's your, your personal relationships with loved ones, spouses, partners, friends, uh, or your colleagues at work. So I talk a lot about creating, having genuine relationships. And even for our coaches, with our student athletes, how do you deal with the social, mental health um, uh, issues, financial issues, the challenges, the political issues is really getting to know the individual and sitting down with them off the playing surface to truly have that relationship. Right. Right. Now, you talked about, um, you know, relationships. You must have seen a lot of leadership styles in and out of corporate and education. How do you lead? We have to assume that every coach is a type A personality plus president of the school. How do you maneuver and lead all these type A personalities? <laughs> um, so great, great, great point. Great question. And, and you're right that it's uh, a lot of a lot of different approaches. Um, but I think that's OK in that. We cannot, it's not a one size fits all for everyone. And I think that that causes some trouble sometimes, whether it be coaches with student athletes, whether it be, you know, president CEOs with as leaders uh, of an organization, everybody's different. As you know, everybody ticks a little differently. Uh, everybody is, is passionate about different things. So tr- again, going back to that relationship piece, how do we get to know that individual a little bit better than the other one and investing the time, not only investing compensation or hybrid work place or, or, you know, investing in, in different things to recruit an individual, how do you actually invest in getting to know them and understanding what their skill sets are? Cause that's, they're all so different. Right. Right. And um, it takes time and it's gotta be authentic and genuine. And it's gotta, it, you really gotta spend that, that individual time, whether it be in a meeting or actually out of the office, et cetera, to get to know them. And the better you understand the individual, the better you understand how they work and how they like to be communicated to or how they like to strategize with or, or, or meet with you accordingly. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's a lot of time investment today. And I think that's, that's challenging to a lot of organizations and people, but I think that's the only way because the day of everybody adapts to me as a leader is long, long gone. Just like every student athlete isn't just going to adapt to every coach today. Those days are gone as well. Exactly. You know, I think when they understand that you're there to serve them and to try to make their job easier and to get them whatever they need so they could succeed, I think that's when they say, hey, you know what? This guy is not my boss or this guy is not a level higher than me. It's more of he's just trying to help me out. Eric, I I, you, I totally agree. I'd actually just take it even more simplistic. They know I care about them and, and love them. 
the better the relationship is. And I mean that not just in terms of like, not everybody's going to be best friends in the office here, but I have people in this industry that obviously want to be an AD or want to be a head coach or want to get make more money or, or move their family somewhere. So I'm supportive of them getting the next job. If I'm not helping my entire team get a next job, then I'm not doing them the right service. And then, then in essence, they're not going to buy into what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to do here. So how to, again, creating that, that, that understanding of each other and everybody has, it should be a win-win for everybody. And I think authenticity and genuinely caring about them is needed. Someone's, you know, I have someone in my office whose mother is sick. They had had to go home. And I, of course, family first. I, I became a better manager, I think, and a better leader when I had children. Because I go home and they, they their perspective for me and I'm I know I'm crazy and I'm psycho and I want to win every game and I want to make every dollar and I want for them to be the best it possibly could be and it's it's a personal passion and challenge forget about a professional one but I need to respect the family is that much more important how do we do that and balance that and and respecting each other that way is is everything right now what do you look for or what traits when you're trying to get let's say somebody in your staff or when a coaching opportunity comes in. I mean, everybody says, Hey, I want to get that best coach, but it's just not that. Yeah. I, I honestly look for, you know, some differences. Like I, I don't want the, the standard, you know, model of just, you know, someone that's um, kind of, is, is kind of presenting you a playbook of what they think you want to hear. I want someone that has different strategy, different approaches. I want people that probably are not like me to be honest with you, Eric, that, that that'll help our organization be more dynamic, not only diversified, but also just different perspectives and strategic ways of thinking. Um, you know, I like individuals that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I like that they, you know, they've struggled, they've overcome adversity. Um, they they totally have the personal passion because no matter how much we pay somebody and listen, you could be coach K, right? Eric, and he makes whatever, eight, $9 million a year, whatever he makes. Right. You break down the amount of hours coach K works. You, you break down the amount of hours he missed with his children going through his hall of fame career. And then his grandchildren, you know, he will probably tell you it, it might not have even been worth the 9 million. Obviously he loved what he did. And that's where the passion and personal piece is essential it's not about Matt. It's not about money. It wasn't about, you know, his Nike contract there. It was about doing what he loved to do. And his family supported that accordingly. Um, so trying to find that individual that truly has that because it's a difficult industry. It's Saturdays, it's Sundays, it's evenings, it's travel. Uh, it's late night phone calls from student athletes or parents or coaches or, and putting out fires. And that's gotta be a love and a passion of what you do. Um, that's not going to be a stock or equity that's going to that's going to explode next week for a huge payout. It's not about that. Right, right. You know, it's funny. I I'm I'm, I'm reading a, a a book about Disney, and for some reason, I thought of I said, you know, I got to ask him this question because one of the things that Disney instills is they have four points, and it's uh, safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. And just thinking about that, I said, you know, I got to ask Ed, because those are probably the same type of things that you guys are trying to instill, because I believe safety is probably number one in the whole scheme of things. You are spot on. And I I think this is truly, as I said earlier, a business. So whether it be the business of a season ticket holder or the business of selling a hat or, or sweatshirt at a game, the business of a sponsorship sale or licensing or recruiting a student athlete or interaction with a parent who's spending $80,000 a year on their child's tuition. It, we, we are in the business model. And I know it's my background, so it's easy, but I love, you know, Disney, of course, is known so strongly for their service, as well as, of course, you know, their hospitality and obviously their, 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 their way they position their brand and their marketing. But I always tell everybody, we're never going to have all the answers. We're going to make a ton of mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. It's how do you handle and address in the moment in terms of rectifying and fixing. And that's where Disney's, you know, magical, no pun intended, in terms of of finding a solution or spending time with the individual to figure out a solution. And I talk a lot about that. And I think that's important for coaches with student athletes when they get they're brought problems that they may not have experience with, or they may not be comfortable handling, or they may have to get vulnerable 
and show some weakness with in terms of being human. And and that's I think you know where D- Disney does it better than anybody is. Yes, it, it's it's a special place, but and a special brand, and they, they they have so many different areas of business. But they make sure that the customer is always right. And at the end of the day, that's that always goes a long way with me in terms of my business acronym. Right now, you touched on it a little bit before, but um, how did you navigate that new name, Im- image, and likeness? I mean, that's got to be another thing that was kind of handed to you and said, "Okay, figure it out." Yeah, so still <laughs> navigating it for sure on a day to day basis. Definitely don't have not. I don't think we've mastered anything. I don't think anybody feels comfortable with the topic or or even the the rules uh, pending the state you live in, pending the conference you play for, you know, pending the updates you're hearing and, and who you're competing with, depending on the sport and student athlete. But there is a comfort level for me with the topic of student athletes being athlete endorsers and or getting paid opportunities, because that's that's definitely a world I've lived in and come from. So I'm supportive of student athletes getting every opportunity they can. They can. And first, let me also say, Eric, which is kind of a misunderstanding of, of the media. You know, there's some beautiful opportunities that come out of this. I have, we have a tattoo artist that's currently a student athlete. She can now give tattoos and, and, and make money for doing so. Previously, the NCAA, she couldn't do that. We have another student athlete that plays a, plays the guitar professionally. They can now perform at weddings and do gigs and make money professionally, which, which they could not do previously. Or as simplistic as student athletes at this level, being able to do a, a personal clinic, a development, a training with a child of yours or someone else and collect payment, which then as a Division One mid-major Atlantic 10 conference or Patriot League conference, student athlete, they should be able to do as, as their level of talent, level of, of capability. So that's the beauty of it. Now, of course, the pay for play and the booster clubs and the concern with alums, I, you know, that, that that's whether it's, whether it was NIL or whether that was going on illegally, it's always been a concern in, in, uh, in college athletics, unfortunately. Right. What we did, what we did aggressively probably two years ago, almost two and a half years ago when I got started in this job was we brought in some different steps to help support and educate. Nothing about getting deals, but a Jeremy Darlow, for example, was uh, the former CMO of Adidas. We brought him into a whole curriculum. How do you build a brand? What does a brand even mean? How do you know what your personal brand is? How should you behave on social media? How should your profile on social media look like and behave? So we did that, which was really helpful. Uh, we have a partnership with Influencer. It's you know, it's, I know it's a national one that has a lot of different uh, college partners, but each student athlete has their own profile. Uh, they're able to upload their contracts and agreements for our compliance team to look at it here and evaluate accordingly. Um, and then, of course, we, we've done some different things like the student athlete empowerment group. And if you do want to find an advisor or a marketing agent or you want to let yourself be out there for deals, we obviously provide you the opportunity to do so. Of course, you're on your own to do that. And then even the A-10 has done a good job with a, a group called Team Ultimus, making sure that they're helping us as an athletics department. How do we navigate this? Because we only have so many resources for so many student athletes. Um, and then we have a group of I think, eight uh, pro bono uh, alums that provide legal assistance. Same with on the CPA side, because of course, any dollars you take in is IRS ramifications. So we try to provide those benefits. And it's really then on, 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 on behalf, then the student athletes on their own to try to find their deals and figure out what they want to do. If they, if they even want to do that. And it's challenging. It's it's evolving. I wish we had easy answers, not only for the student athletes, but I get a lot of questions from alumni. What are you allowed to do? What do you recommend doing? What do you see happening? And if you, we really can't even comment on any of that. We can only provide the facts, provide some organizations or, or, or opportunities or firms they can work with. And then they're really on their own of what they're doing or how they want to utilize their business, their company, et cetera. Um, so we just try to provide education and support is the best we could do and how that'll change, you know, going forward. I don't know based on state laws, New York state has not come up with, come out with legislation, Eric. So we don't have that here in New York state, but also in the A-10, we, we represent nine different states. So how's that going to play out as a, as a, as a league? We will see, but just trying to make our kids and our student athletes feel comfortable knowing they have all of these resources at their fingertips. And that's something we aggressively did you know, about two years ago. And again, that's just my background of working in the corporate sports marketing and sports business world. 
that's awesome. You know, one of the things that just popped in my head was that what you're doing seems like you're bridging that gap of us and them, where it used to be like the athletes thought, well, they were athletes and that's the administration and it's two separate things. You're now bridging the gap and say, no, we're, we're here to help you. Yeah, there's, there's so much criticism of the amateurism word, right? And or the value of the athletic scholarship being devalued. And and I, I understand all of that over the principles of what the NCAA was built on and, and how this was all started and structured. But I'll be honest with you, Eric, I I don't feel that way. I think, you know, once we went into the March Madness world of, you know, four weeks of television and a game on every week and you know, you got obviously every sponsor in the world out there and and these young individuals who are not getting paid were utilized for billions and billions of dollars of TV dollars. I think that all went out the window and college football and the bowl championship and what these bowl games mean. I, 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 I it upsets me a little bit because I know they're kind of questioning, well, why does why does this happening right now at NIL and why is students going to get paid? Why did, you know, why did bowl games and March Madness become behind the Super Bowl the second and third most largest sporting events in the world? And, you know, I can only imagine, as you know, you break down the numbers of what towns and these large colleges and power five schools are generating for their cities and for their institutions and TV dollars and the big tens billion dollar deal. That train has left the station a long time ago. So we could dwell on that all we want, but that's not healthy. That's not helpful. So we got to be proactive, got to try to be as aggressive as we can be to try to help our student athletes. And it's the, a lot of the unknown with the NCAA right now, but we can't, we can't dwell or cry about the past. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So now my next question is with all the stuff that you learned from corporate world to education and back and forth, what do you think something that an athlete should know when their season of sport is, is over? Yes. And either here or even if they went to the pros at a certain point, your season is over. What is something that maybe you've learned throughout your journey? Yeah. So, so great. You know, so you, you put it, you said it well, no matter professional or not, it ends for you sometime, right? Whether you make it to the pros, whether you have a tremendous, you know, long career, short career, uh, or if it ends after college, how are we best preparing our student athletes for life after college? So we talk a lot about not the four years at Fordham, but the 40 years after Fordham. And I think that's essential. And that's honestly how I even view NIL, Eric. So for me, name, image, and likeness is truly preparing the student athlete for business after college. Right. So whether they, they started during college in terms of having an NIL deal or deals, it definitely prepares them for life after because no matter what industry or business they enter into um, or service, they're gonna, th- th- this is the harsh reality of perception. It's the harsh reality of how you're positioning, creating your own brand. This is the harsh reality of how you starting your own business, which is you, right? And selling of you. So I see so much correlation with NIL to career aspirations, career development. And I know I just think that's that's kind of lost today in terms of what NIL is, and it's it's obviously unfortunate stigma of pay to play, but I truly think it's an essential piece of career services and preparing our student athletes to be successful leaders after sport is over. Um, And I think whether that's connecting them to alums for internships, for mentoring, whether that's, you know, building your own brand, uh, navigating social media, and networking, as you put earlier, truly learning how to build a relationship with individuals and a partnership with individuals. I think these are skills that are essential for life after college and sport. And I think that's that's a lost piece of NIL right now. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And what I like about Fordham, and there's a, a bunch of schools like Fordham, these are student athletes. And there's not like going to, and I just picking Duke basketball because we talk about Shostakovich that those basketball players are technically athletes going to do to go to the pros. Yes. But with you you're taking these these students and saying hey you're student athletes and you're here to get an education. Yeah, I I feel I feel blessed about the Fordham's uh positioning and mission in this. And as I said earlier in terms of GPA and retention rates and graduation rates and how 
you know, Fordham is doing better than the general population. And we're a top 50 academic institution, right? So we're able to sell and recruit the true entire experience where even if you blow out your knee in year two or have a bad injury and your career is not what it, it ends up being, you're coming out of here with a Fordham degree that's going to set you up for life. And that's not lip service. That's truly what we are doing here in terms of building future leaders. And um, yeah, I know the transfer portal, I think that's lost, right? In terms of, you know, getting playing time or, or wanting to play at a higher level or, or, or dropping down in level, whatever you decide to do is truly losing what those four or five years, whatever it is these days in terms of eligibility and COVID years, et cetera, but making truly building up that value of institutional equity and institutional knowledge of, and alumni relationships to really set you up for life after college or, or university. No, definitely. I actually, uh, my son went to Bryant University to play football. Yes. And I think I went there four times before he signed his, uh, his, his intent. And it was for that same reason. I said, is this school going to give him the education? Is there an opportunity after? I also told him, do you want to be here if for some reason you can't play anymore? Yes. And, and those are major things. I said, you know, you can play football anywhere, Yes. but at a certain point, your years of playing is going to be over. And now what? You, you are spot on. And listen, I wish I was still playing. I went to a Mets game last night. I wish I was catching for the Mets every, every, <laughs> every day or night of my life. And as you put it, it ends for all of us. But what do you what do you take away from your college experience was your degree in relationships, which I, I highlighted was an important part of my career. My friendships, you know, my, my best friends come from college. My, my, you know, my wife I met my wife during the college years. Like, like it is so much more from that entire experience that's important. And that truly is what to me, I, the most successful fundraising comes from those alumni affinity relationships that just thank their institution for all of their opportunities that came from it. And I think that's unfortunately being lost to the portal and NIL. And, you know, you're, you, there's no way you could do that in one year or two years at an institution. It's got to be the, the full experience. And that's unfortunately just a little bit of a change in the culture and environment of, of college athletics these days. I'm hoping that gets that gets corrected. But I also support our student athletes uh, to do what makes them happy and where they're comfortable. And I, I know that'll, that will not change. But I do think that's that's a negative, unfortunately, negative outcome. Okay. So now let's go away from Fordham and Aideen. You co-founded Grind It Out? Yes. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So my wife is uh, an ABA therapist. Uh, she works with children with autism, early intervention. And... Um, you know, grind it out is, is a term I like to use just in terms of being a grinder and there's no easy way. There's no shortcuts. Uh, there's no cutting corners. Like you have to pay your dues. You have to grind it out and you'll, you'll be so much you know, better for the overcoming the adversity and, and the challenges. And my wife has done that. I talk about that in terms of athletics, college athletics, in terms of being an entrepreneur and business, but my wife has done that whole, her whole career with the challenges of obviously working with young people, whether it be children or young adults, she, she does a lot now with with the um, older older adults um, or older, I should say, older young people that have autism and that have challenges. Once they age out of the work, uh, age out of the education system, Eric, they have to find areas in the workforce, and there's really not solid programming for developing workforce individuals who suffer uh, at some level of the spectrum of the autistic spectrum, and she does incredible work. So um, we've done a lot in terms of, of working with different organizations like Autism Awareness. Um, we had a, a personal organization that we worked with, which was named after um, a, a, loved, a loved, beloved best friend of my wife, uh, Kate Chernolitz, who passed away uh, from a brain tumor. So we worked with some organizations to give back there. And so so there's there's a lot of groups that how do we give back and help young people and care. So just kind of some positive work. And, and I know it sounds cliche, but as you know, that's truly life-changing work. I always say that whether we win a, a championship at Fordham this year or not, at the end of the day, her work is so much more valuable. Than, and I know that. And that, that's truly the the mission that even I'm, I'm supportive of with the Jesuit mission here at Fordham. But so I take a lot of pride in that. It's kind of more of a personal endeavor. But it, it's kind of very different things, and and that's more of just the LLC that kind of uh, helps 
you know, support some of the 501Cs or the organizational groups. And, and, and it's just a personal passion, depending on, on what we're doing. And as we've now, we have two boys that are 10 and 11. Uh, it really hits home in terms of wanting to give back and it's just, it's the fun way to do so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put that on the show notes also, because maybe somebody could help you out or yeah, I appreciate want, that. yeah, definitely. How can someone find out more about you and about what Fordham is doing? So, you know, so I think it's looking at, you know, Fordham in, in its, in its entire entirety, not just whether you like soccer or you like baseball or softball or, or volleyball and, and seeing the opportunity that, that, that is there. Obviously, a top 50 quality education. Obviously, the Jesuit mission here. In, obviously, I'm sitting in the Bronx right now, but also in the Westchester and Lincoln Center campuses. And seeing an opportunity, whether it be for your young one to learn and develop, seeing a, a private Catholic institution that really has followed its its roots and its DNA all these years, whether you want to get involved, support, you know, mentor a student athlete, give an internship to a student athlete. Uh, obviously, there's opportunities to sponsor us, all, all that from a revenue generation standpoint, but truly, truly believe and learn that we are doing it the right way and for the entire purpose of the student athlete. On the academic side, we talked about their career aspirations, the career development piece, and, and developing leaders. Uh, and we've done that here in terms of giving them a voice. Uh, our student athletes lead our DEI efforts, Eric. So they, they've been the spokespeople. Uh, athletics makes up about 35 to 40 percent of diversity at Fordham University. Our athletes are true leaders. They, they, they've established their own committees, their own organizations, getting involved here in the Bronx as, as a local engagement and truly empowering them to, to be leaders and make decisions. And, and we follow suit as a department. I don't want that to be my decision or what I think is best or what I feel is, is that we, we represent 600 student athletes, how, how do we make sure we are empowering them to help make those decisions? And I, I want people to look at Ford as an opportunity to, to really uh, make a difference and make a change and, and impact young people uh, for the benefit of their futures. Awesome. Awesome. So how can they get in touch with you if uh, someone wants to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. So you, you spoke about LinkedIn. You spoke about social media with me. I like to be on there to educate folks on what we're doing and also to connect with current student athletes our coaches and alumni email is easy. It's, e, it's my, my, it's my e-call E-K-U-L-L at Ford.edu with thoughts, ideas, suggestions. Uh, we have a wonderful communications group. Uh, our FUV program has produced a lot of sports media talent from Vince Scully to Michael K to Tony Rialli to um, Bob Papa, the Chris Carino. Every sports franchise has a Fordham alum working there. Uh, they're wonderful representations of us. How do we help the Bronx community in New York City more in terms of engagement and getting involved? Our student athletes love doing that. So it's not just athletics. How can we help help engage New York City and the tri-state area better in terms of mentoring and shadowing of, of young people? So send me any thoughts and ideas. I, I, I love to be different. I love to make change and be a disruptor in terms of what college athletics has traditionally done. And um as you put it, and it's been a common theme of our conversation today, establish a real partnership or, or relationship. Definitely. Definitely. I'll put all of that on the show notes. Last thing, it's fourth and goal. There's a minute left on the clock. The game's on the line. No timeouts. Give us something to leave with. I, I want you to know that I, the, what I love about student athletes and being around them uh, and our young people is truly what they represent. Right. They're not only just specially gifted, talented athletes that make up, you know, the top one, two, three percent of, of athletes in the world, but they truly are the leaders of the future. And they're going to make a difference and make a change, whether it be with their voice, whether it be within their sport, whether it be with their their ideas of of, of creating a product, a service, um, an opportunity for change. And we talk a lot about that where they have they're exposed to so much so quickly. I know it makes them so desirable in terms of being recruited in the career serve in, in the career world, career development world, and, and corporate worlds. But it also is preparing them to really be able to deal with so much more. And and that I, I love that in terms of what the clean canvas they have to paint on and 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 opportunities that are brought to them in their future. And I, I think that's often lost uh, for student athletes. 
So I want that to really be known that whether it's NIL, whether it's, you know, being a conference player of the year, an All-American, whether it's be getting a job offer from Goldman Sachs, their September, their senior year, or Ernest and Young, or whatever the ones that are recruiting our student athletes today. I love the idea that they're going to just be influencers. Uh, they're going to make impact change. They're going to disrupt the norm. Uh, and I hope we're helping to teach that, create that, and develop that here at Ford. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, Ed, thank you for coming on the Hey Coach podcast. I really appreciate it. A uh, lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff there. Uh, pleasure is all mine. This is fun part of my day. Great, great spending time with you and meeting you, Eric. And anytime I can be of help and uh, more assistance, I love what you're doing in terms of sharing that, that, po- that powerful, positive message. Not enough of that going on out there today. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. All the best. Great, great conversation with Ed. A lot of great information about business, about your brand. Uh, so much, so much bits of knowledge in this conversation. I would highly recommend you go back and listen to this podcast again, this interview again. Uh, just a lot of bits of knowledge in there. A couple of takeaways that I got from my conversation with Ed. One is create a culture that makes everyone happy. You know, you have to try to develop a culture and atmosphere that most people are just going to want to come into work and they're just excited to be part of an organization. So, so important. Second thing is leading by investing and getting to know the people around you. This ties in with that culture. You need to deal with people at their level. And the only way to do that is by getting to know them and see what really makes them tick. And the third thing is to support, serve, and be authentic. If people know that you're there to serve them, you will get the best quality work from the people around you. I will put all of Ed's information on the show notes about Fordham University and Grind It Out, please reach out to him. He is very approachable and he's just looking to serve. Also, if you're trying to get in touch with me, please email me at eric at acoachraise.com or you can get me on Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Love to hear from you. Love to get your ideas and your thoughts. Until next time, please go out and invest some of your time.